It is time for Kim Young-dae's Back to the Culture. And joining us live on Zoom is Young-dae. Young-dae, hello to you. Good to see you again. Yeah, speaking of violin, I, yeah, I, I played seven years. I, I played for seven years. I, I was considered by the teacher as a very talented player. Mm-hmm. Then I quit. I forgot everything. And I became music <laughs> critic. That's it. Sad story. <laughs> but still, you're. But you're you, right. You got to. You got to. At, at some point of your 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 kids' life, you got to learn how to play either piano or violin. That's no, correct. I, I mean, my parents did not ever push me to play any kind of musical. I mean, number one, <laughs> we we couldn't afford any of that stuff, uh, so I I didn't learn. But I, I do. You mean have one? Yeah. How, I mean, because I lived in the states, right? So there's like limited. Yeah, there yeah, is no yeah. hagwon system. Right, right, right. Um, but there were like piano schools, which I mean, my parents, they said, I mean, it's a waste of money. What are you going to do? But uh, that's one thing I wish I learned how to do is learn the piano, right? Because you have that kind of, uh, you want to, you know, uh, sing to a girl that you really like and uh, you propose <laughs> using the piano, but you don't know how to do that. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, uh, we, getting, we actually talked about uh, a very similar topic right before this segment. Uh, we're talking about how these days. Yeah, I heard the whole segment. Yeah. Uh, actually, I on top of what uh, the producer just mentioned about the, this this whole system, I I have to mention. I have to say this. You know, the the people. I mean, the journalism. You know, American journalism, U.S. mainstream, whatever. They tend to like to talk about the dark side of K-pop, right? Yeah. So when when everything goes 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 so right, so so cool, they they're not talking about it. Then once things are going south, they start to talk about so-called dark side of K-pop. But why not talking about dark side of entertainment business? Mm-hmm. Why not talking about dark side of American hip-hop, American rock, American folk, you know, American society? I mean, because the K-pop and in- entertainment system is a part of this you know, the problem of that is part of the bigger problem of the society. So I don't think it's really fair to just to talk about, you know, dark side of K-pop because it's not something really new. It's a, it's a part of the tradition. This whole, you know, entertainment, you know, star forging kind of kids fostering system, not just in Korea, but uh, in the States, in Japan, in Korea as well. Yeah, again, that's actually a very interesting uh, point that uh, you made in regards to this. Um, I just want to, we we actually got a lot of messages coming in as we're talking about uh, uh, the K-pop related stuff. Uh, Don Peck says, so many young people want to be K-pop stars, only a few of them make it. Yanggurum says, I think recently AOMG singers are attractive for me. Does that mean you're in love with Jay Park and stuff like that? Uh, I, I didn't know. More of a singer-songwriter and hip-hop R&B star rather yeah. than a K-pop idol. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, what we're going to talk about, actually, is like this new era in K-pop. I mean, we talked about how many generations. Like, right. like well, what generation are we at right now? Like, is it like technically four? Well, I mean, no, nobody can define <laughs> right, which exactly, generation right. is actually what kind of artist, you know? Well, but um, well, depending on the, on the, uh, the categorization, it could be a 3.5 yeah. or still three gen- third generation or yeah. fourth generation yeah right so i mean we're, we're we're seeing more and more are is the fact that it used to be right. super rare to see like a foreign member uh you know a non-korean be a part of the group right like i remember back in the days like when i saw do you remember perry from yg family 
Like Perry yeah, was, he, yeah. He absolutely. so he was half Korean, from what I understand. I think he was like half Korean, or he was like. I think so, and uh, he was a major, major composer and producer of all YG music at the time. Yeah. Until until um, the, the the main producer of YG, uh, the one time one time member. Right. And yeah, then, yeah. He 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 took the job, uh, but Perry was was the the most influential figure as a producer. So like yeah. even with Perry, right? Like he wasn't like fully. A foreigner he wasn't a fully a foreign member um but like also like i remember was it um uh, was it bank who oh, man i forgot which group it was i think it was bank there was also a half korean uh that was there but we never saw like a full foreigner until like very recently in the uh, past a few years right now um who are some of the more renowned or notable i guess non-korean members of uh, idol groups that you want to kind of mention yeah, but before actually, you know, talking about the foreign members, can you can you name can you name the first like uh, group that that had a international member, including Kyopo, <laughs> Korean American or Korean, you know, Canadians, uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you want to go to like Uptown, you know, like right Uptown, just oh, she used to be called Jessica Ho. Uh, yeah, she's now yeah. called Jesse now. Right. Uh, young- what about Solid? Solid had um, yeah from California. Solid uh, was uh, right? Kim Kim Yuan, right? Kim Johan. Kim, Kim Johan. Kim Johan yeah. was uh, from California. And uh, John Lee, Jung Jae Yoon, right? Uh, yeah. And a uh, former voice of uh, Arirang TV and Arirang Radio, Young Kim, uh, was a f- former member of Sharp and uh, yes. Uptown but, as well. But even before those groups, we had a guy like Lee Hyun Woo. He's a he's he's not well. He's a I think he has American citizenship, um, but he's uh, he, he studied uh, in the states. And Kang Soo Ji as well. He is a Korean American who studied uh, and lived for a very long time in the states. And before before even those two guys, uh, we had uh, a singer like Im Byung Soo, who was from uh, Bolivia. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So he was he was such a sensational singer because he was so fluent both in Korean and, and uh, Spanish songs. So he covered uh, some, of, some of really famous Latin pop and translated into uh, covered uh, in Korean language, uh, which was, I remember, the Ice Cream Love. Yeah, Ice Cream Love was, uh, was a huge hit back in the late 80s. Yeah, our producer then, uh, was just talking about that right now. He was talking about that song. Yeah, the, it was, uh, the original song was... Uh, uh, the the famous Mexican singer uh, I forgot the name I always forget the name forget, forget the name these days anyway so yeah the cover song was huge success then uh, Lee Hyun Kang Soo Ji uh, they came along but, but Solid actually Solid and Uptown were the kind of really significant group that kind of shifted the the trend so they actually you know actively involved foreign members you know technically. Right, but not just foreign members, but uh, through that they embraced a foreign sensibility. That's the important part. At the time, the K-pop didn't have any localization strategy. They didn't really target uh, for um, international market. You know, when a producer, you know, the formed a group like Solid and Uptown, they didn't really have a serious idea about having those group. Um, uh, you know, being in the in the international market, in the U.S. market, or or a big uh, you know U.S. tour or something like that, they just try to use that so-called American cosmopolitan image 
or sometimes talent right in the groups so that they could uh, make a difference in the in the scene like it used to be there's always like the anytime you have a kyopo member in a group they're always the rap uh, in english yeah they have the rap part i i vividly remember some of the some of the lines that solid raps you know the uptown rap you know, back in the 80s, I got my first Mercedes, you know, something like that. I yeah. didn't understand what <laughs> they're actually no saying. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> you know, actually understand what they what they said. Uh, and uh, sometimes they just mentioned, you know, randomly mentioned the, the name of the church they went, name of the community they, they were in, you know, name of the some of the slangs that only kind of West Coast hip hoppers used to use. But we, we just felt good. As a youngster, we thought that really sounded and looked really cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but th- so that was the gist of the you know strategy they used at the time. I remember uh, talking to again uh, Young Kim. Uh, you know, he's a great good friend of mine, and uh, he used to again he used to be a host on uh, Arirang Radio. He used to have a TV show here as well. And then I remember asking him, you know, they purposely put you as a rapper because you were from California. <laughs> uh, but when you were rapping about these things that made absolutely no sense, how did you feel? He's like, I, you know what? It was the funniest thing. But this is what we had to do, right? Like they were there specifically for English only. That's what it right. was. English only, and that they have to intentionally sh- show some of the kind of cultural signs, cultural yeah. kind of signature, that, so that they can, you know, kind of display their foreignness. You know, or for example, the Ijun, the rapper John Lee, he always bringing this uh, this eight ball. That's cane. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, and they always use some of the some of the excerpts from NWA song, the West Coast song. So they really claim themselves as Korean, not just Korean, but West Coast Korean. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, it, but that, see, so nowadays, what we're seeing is actual uh, non-Koreans. We're not even right. talking about Kyopos. I mean, like, Kyopos, like, we see, honestly, I, th- I feel well, like Kyopo's I see more. There. Yeah, there's still Kyopos there, but now I feel like I see more of, like, non-Koreans who speak, by the way, very fluent Korean. Uh, right. To be honest with you, when I like twice, right when Sana, uh, Momo, Momo, and then Chui, right. when I I really thought they were Korean, because <laughs> I didn't know anything about the members. I thought they were the names were just like cute idol names, and I had absolutely no idea that they were from, uh, you know, outside of Korea. I mean, is this like the part of the training system where they have to really you have to know Korean to be an idol, right? Obviously, right. You, you know the the. The latest group, uh, Le Serafim, they have some international members, uh, mm-hmm. including Sakura. And the Sakura, when she was she was in other group before, she just completely looked like one of the Japanese singers. Mm-hmm. But now, as a member of Le Serafim, she just I don't know how to explain that. The look, the tall tone, the attitude, the makeup style, and everything just just makes her as more of a Korean singer rather than Japanese singer. So it's definitely part of the whole strategy, whole industry, using different foreign members, but they still use them, kind of utilize them as a, as a real K-pop group. I mean, that's the kind of newest approach. I think that that's the biggest approach that uh, we've, uh, than something that we've seen like uh, 20 years ago, you know, 15 years ago. So it's I mean- so yeah. Elaborate. Yeah. 
I mean, adding like foreign members on an idol group, I mean, is it solely for that? Because I just felt like in order to kind of expand uh, to well, different many, parts. Many different reasons. I think musically, it will definitely embrace a, well, a, lot, a lot of diverse stream from, from different you know, countries and different culture. And sometimes they're functioning, the foreign members are functioning as a kind of cultural bridge, you know, negotiate, you know, the, the kind of uh, the cultural barrier or something like that. So they can actually not just translate the language, but they kind of like translate the cultural difference when, especially when they have to be performing or having an interview or be, being uh, active in the foreign market. Because nowadays, the, the certain groups just just uh, made their debut and automatically become a global group. So they really need someone like them. So they're actually really important member. So, for instance, when in uh, when they're you know active, when they perform in Korea, the Korean members are usually the having a spotlight. They're the really important part of the group to to speak, um, to talk about their music, to have an interview with outlets and things like that. But when they're in, uh, in foreign countries like Japan and China, the foreign members, they, they, they're taking their the charge. They're taking the position as a sort of, kind of leading role. Mm -hmm. So they'll be more, um, I don't know, more close to their local fans. So yeah, having just at least one foreign members, it, it really works. You know, for instance, the Blackpink, uh, Lisa. The, the, yeah, existence of Lisa just instantly make them as a fan favorite group in time. Yeah, something like that. I wonder, though, because I can't put a date, exact date, on when we really started seeing uh, foreigners uh, join 2 these. 2 p.m. Well, we have well, some of Oh, those. Nikun, right? Nikun was... Uh, yeah. That's right, that's right. But I, yeah, but I don't remember how people kind of received them at first, right? Because like, like, all of a sudden, because we're so used to... I mean, we've had like even... You know, half Koreans, right? Like SES, uh, T. Uh, you know, Yumire was half Korean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Insuni half Korean. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, her right. English is kind of limited. So we've seen them, but we've never seen like a full foreigner join like a group, especially like an idol group. Do you remember how that was received uh, in the beginning? Was it received with like open arms? Well, as far as remember, remember, I think the initial reaction were kind of half and half. So okay. There's always kind of negative uh reaction to the to the foreign foreign members because i mean uh at, at the time especially the korean audience they were not really used to uh the, the foreign members mm -hmm. you know that we like you know the korean they have a kind of sense of one blood one people one nation one country so they're kind of semi-automatically against uh the kind of different mixture of the group you know yeah. different races mixed mixed blood and something like that so yeah, I remember a, a you know certain demographics. I mean, certain certain fandoms they were um, kind of against the, the foreign members, but uh, they, they they pretty got used to it uh, as as the group you know started to gain an international momentum in in each different countries as a part of this local you know localization strategy because they the fans started to understand that they are re really important members. They're really mem yeah. important members. Uh, to 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 popularize the group, you know, to to give some fame and recognition internationally. I want to kind of um, when it comes to, I guess, uh, what is it uh, in the past? Uh, mm -hmm. 
I'm trying to think like where it all started off and things like that. And the marketing aspect, like when we do, when entertainment companies add in like a foreign uh, member of the group as well, uh, do they look at the country in where they front where they're from and try to set up a market in that area as well? Because so far, what we're seeing, right? I mean, where is K-pop very popular before this uh, global craze? It was uh, popular in Japan. It was popular right. in Southeast Asia. So a lot of these like foreign members of these groups are from those areas, right? We've seen people from Japan. We've seen people from uh, you know Taiwan. Yeah. We've seen people from like the Thailand and things like that. Right. How much further until? Because we haven't seen. Uh, do correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't seen anyone who are like, for example, like Caucasian. European member. Yeah, yeah, you know, European Caucasians or things like that. Yeah, yeah, Central yeah. Asian member. Yeah, it all depends on the size of the market, size okay. of the domestic market. So you're definitely right. Uh, the focus was on the, some of the major market that K-pop has been targeting. You know, the U.S., definitely we have some Jopo, Korean-Americans. And, uh, and, and Thailand. Thailand is one of the biggest, you know, the Southeast, uh, Southeast Asian market. And, and uh, Japan and China, always two major markets since the first day of Hallyu. So they're... Uh, so yeah, they specifically, really strategically use those members, those nation as a, as a kind of like a cultural bridge, right? You know, so that they could, well, sell their music more effectively and more efficiently. But as uh, K-pop, K-pop's globalizations, you know, going further nowadays, you know, Middle Eastern countries and, you know, other European countries and uh, Central Asian countries and Latin American countries, I, I think the strategy will go further as well so for instance i think sometime this year next year um the the first latin pop k-pop boy band i don't know how to call that you know <laughs> latin k-pop boy band will be will make its debut okay you know yeah so hbo max and sm entertainment you know a, as a joint venture you know they will make a korean pop group with all Latin members um, in one group, yeah. So it's not the first time that's like a project like this happened. I believe there was one time they tried to make like an all Caucasian boy band. Um, I forgot what they were called. Yeah, that that but that was done by one of the kind of American indie, you know, the producers. Oh, I was think it? it okay. Yeah, it was not done by Korean companies. Okay. So I think that the, the difference is. Maybe subtle, but that could be huge because it's all about the technology and all about the know-how. You know how to make a good boy group or girl bands. So it. Uh, so I'm really for looking forward how they, you know, American market, American company, uh, with their money and right. uh, you know the power in industry, industry and promoting uh, the skill and Korean, you know, K-pop's own kind of training system and management system and even the you know music producing system so the result yeah we have to wait for uh but um i think uh it, it'll be really interesting uh, phenomenon. So I was talking to our writer uh, just before the show. Uh, there was someone that I knew because I, I also work on uh, Arirang News and uh, one of the assistant directors at this time, this was like about 10 years ago, one of the assistant mm -hmm. directors I used to work with, after she left Arirang, she went to the UK and she set up her own entertainment company yeah. and she created this, uh, what she said was the very first all-female foreign K-pop group called Kachi. Mm. Mm. Um, they're they're not that they're Kachi. not very Kachi. Uh, they're not together. Yeah, oh yeah, Kachi as in like together or even like 
uh, kachita or like uh, what value? Is it? Value, value. Yes, yeah. so it was like a play on words, <laughs> both together and value as well. Um, it, so the criticism was right uh, that they weren't really singing in Korean. Just by mm-hmm. saying that they are a K-pop group, how can you mm-hmm. call yourself a K-pop group? Just because you're CEO is Korean and you say that you're a K-pop group because they weren't singing in Korean, I believe. Like, what is there a rule to what can be called a K-pop group? Well, honestly, I don't have any idea. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, the K-pop. But only thing I can say is, K-pop used to be a music of Korean people by Korean people for Korean people, right? Right, right. But now it's definitely changing. You know, we have international members. Some of the groups are, are instantly discovered by international, you know, fandoms. And now they're making the, the K-pop fish or K-pop group with all foreign members. So how, but still managed by Korean company. So the matter is either who's got the control or, or who are the national, you know, what, what, what are the nationality of the singer and performer? So it all depends on the, how you define the genre, how you define, how do you view and see uh, K-pop uh, as a genre, as an industry or, or the world. But um, but yeah, but now we, we already, SM Entertainment, they have all Chinese group, Weishin V, only active in China. Right. You know, JYP, they have uh, Niju, you know, all, all, all Japanese That's members, right, that's right. Group, they're only active in Japan. But you know what? Uh, the... There is this boy group called SB19. They're a P-pop group, Filipino. Uh-huh. I've heard of them. But yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know who's behind that? No. One of the original members of Cult Triple. Now they're called Cult 2. Cult 2? Yeah. Cult 2 used to be a Cult Triple. You mean Cult 2 right? as a, the, the comedians? Yeah. Really? Do you know the, the, yeah, the Cult 2 used to be called Cult Triple? Okay. Because they they have three members okay, now okay. they have two right? right 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 right. So one of the original member of the of Cult Two Cult Triple is Chong Songhan, Chong Chong Songhan, and he uh, he moved to Philippines many years ago and he had, like you mentioned you know, very similar case he st- established entertainment company and he used uh, all the similar tactic and uh, strategy and uh, training system to make this boy group SB19 and SB19 has become one of the most talked about most treated group right now wow. along with other k-pop group okay yeah kind of on uh, uh, in terms of social media buzz they're always top five top ten at least top ten mostly top five you know what so, <laughs> wow how do you so can can we call that k-pop right we're part of the k-pop phenomenon right we're just p-pop I don't know how to Yeah, I, there, there's no answer to this. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> incredible because, you know, because part of me, I'm going, it's unfair, right? Because when I was in elementary school and, uh, you know, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, they were really popular. And then, you know, they're like, hey, you know, why don't we make our own band uh, within our class? Yeah. And then I would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be part of this. And they, they would be like, no, you can't be. There's never an Asian member in a, in a boy <laughs> band. And then now it's like, now it's... Oh. Yeah. The, the 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 guy you tried to remember, uh the manager, Lou Perman, right? Uh for Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's his name. Yeah, that was the yeah. guy that uh <laughs> he, he's got it in trouble. Also, I want to make a correction. I was talking about a half Korean, half black artist, not Bank. It was Ink. Uh Imanbok. Oh yeah, yeah, Mambok. Mambok. Uh, yeah, he was he 
he was stunt man, right? Yeah, you remember his dance, the his acrobatic, uh, yeah, <laughs> drop, drop, you know, backward, right? Yeah, that that was uh, one of the things that uh, I think everyone. He was very well welcomed. I think uh, it's despite the fact that it was like long time ago. Uh, we have uh, our producer seems to really like our our topic today, <laughs> uh, and uh, what is it uh, next week? Have a foreign staff member take part in K-pop? Can K-pop be called K-pop? I, I'm trying to understand what he's trying to say right now, but I think he really... Well, yeah, but here's the interesting yeah. question uh, from me to you guys. What about Bossa Nova? Oh. Wait, 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 yeah. wait. Hold on. Tama, what's that group? No, Bossa Nova. The genre. The genre? What's Bossa Nova? Yeah. I'm, hold on. It's Latin music, right? Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, but we can sing. We can make bossa nova, right? Yeah, we can. But is, are you yeah, concerned so that art? Oh, probably, you're right. Well, in part, K-pop's becoming more of a genre mm -hmm. or style or aesthetic that anyone can, you know, adopt. That's a good point. You're right. You don't necessarily have to be right because I mean, if you want to sing Latin music, Latin style music, if you want to sing jazz style music, if you want like hip hop too, right? Like you don't have to. Everyone be... knows the word came from, right? Yeah, exactly. But still, it's music, you know, for everyone. Yeah, it's a kind of like a mold, like a like a you know the formula, right? Right. That every everyone can use for their own style in in their own countries. Wow. So I don't know. K-pop is really in this. Kind of weird position right now. Yeah, only because I feel like it's uh, relatively new that uh, it's been accepted worldwide. Yes. But uh, uh, Young, the fascinating topic we talked about. Again, we are out of time there. Good to talk about this. Hopefully, we'll talk about uh, more on this front as well. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again next week. See you next week. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.